A very, very good day to everybody. The date is the 27th of December, 2022. Time to meet up with Matt King. Our weather today is absolutely wonderful. We've had uh, nice hot weather. We've got no wind to speak of. It is absolutely more like summer rather than um, winter. So let's get across to Altea and find out how Matt is. This is Europe calling with Vince Tracy and Matt King. And not a lot of people know that. In actual fact, our, uh, our topic today is retirement. What about the workers? What about the workers indeed, sir? And uh, I prompted this particular uh, podcast in this respect because of the fact that you had published a note uh, to everybody that you were retiring from performing live on Christmas Eve. Now, uh, give give us the background to why you decided to do it and then how you felt now that it has actually happened. Well, well, you can imagine, Vince, it's a mixture of emotions from the beginning of the road of decide, of trying to decide to actually come into a conclusion. But I I think I've I've had probably forty years no, what am I talking about? I've had fifty years of performing um publicly. I've as you know and your listeners probably know or may not know, but I had a stroke uh four years ago. And uh, even though my writing, I wrote shows prolifically up until that point, and I still wrote shows, I found it increasingly difficult. And I used to be very proud of myself in the fact that I I never, ever used words. You go around to some of these gigs now, and everybody's got iPhones and iPads, and all the words are actually on on their their screens when they're singing. And I, I knew every song. But my my stroke sadly obliterated my whole in the, in the hippocampo. I lost all my memory, not just songs. I, I didn't for three months. I couldn't leave the house. I had to stay in the house because if I left it, just around the corner, I could not find my way back um, to home. Uh, and it's quite. It's uh, your listeners will probably be thinking, "Well, that's madness. How on earth?" Can somebody not remember how to get back home? I, I probably would have agreed with them. But unfortunately, it is what happens when you have these devastating strokes. It was in surgery. I actually stopped breathing and uh, they got me round and my heart stopped and everything. Um, I was having my second metal shoulder put in. Um, not the surgeon's fault. Nobody's fault. It's just one of those things that happened. When you cut big bones like your hips or your shoulders... Um, Unfortunately, you are prone to having uh, uh, clots 
Yeah. And uh, it's as it's as quick as that. It just happens. And uh, but I I've uh, I've been up and down. I've, I've been very depressed with it. It it took me through some very very dark days after I'd sort of six months eight months. And uh, I got very, very, very depressed. And, of course, I didn't do very much at all. And then we had COVID, and that didn't help very much because I couldn't go out, and I was just confined to everywhere. And the decision to actually give up is not... I, I mean, I don't think I'm at the top of where I've ever been in terms of my performance, but I still can sing uh, lucidly, and I can sing reasonably well, I'm told which is nicer because I'm not saying it. Um, but I, I, I don't want to be performing on a half kilt. I can't leave the music stand because if I do, by the time I've taken two steps, I have to run back and work, try and remember where I was in, in the lines and the lyrics because it, it's, it's, it's vacuous. There is nothing there. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely um, un- unable to totally understand because until it happens to you I think uh, it's a difficult one to try and empathize with I know that as a singer I sometimes will forget a line or my mind will be wandering while I'm you know singing something yeah I've done we've all we've all done that haven't we where it just blanks out and then quickly you invent something about the lady in the red top sitting in the corner because you can see her and it comes into your mind yeah uh and you can also, it's quite sweet because you can watch the faces of the people who are singing along with you yeah. and they go, oh, that's not on, that's not on there. <laughs> that doesn't really sound like that. Yeah. And, uh, or that's not the lyrics. And then they just join in again. It's, it's quite, it is quite fun. In a way. I've, I'm going to miss it. I know I am. Well, I know it's been a big part of my life as it has been with you. Well, f- funny enough, you see, I, um, the minute I saw what you'd written, I thought, right, okay, that's a good topic uh, to actually discuss with Matt. Um, because going to various places to see how other people perceive retirement, um, it seems to me that they look at it in three ways. Either traditional retirement, which is you get to a certain age and uh, you either have to or you can choose to, but, you know, whichever way, it's a a complete cut-off of what you had previously been doing. Then uh, you can do it as semi-retirement, which, of course, is probably more like I would like to think of it for me because I don't think I'll ever want to retire. Um, Then you can also have a temporary Retirement. Now, this could well be, and I hope that maybe in a year or two, um, we're having another conversation and you're saying to me, well, I'm glad I had that break and I've decided to come back and do things again. So um, the only thing is now what we've got to sort of thrash out are the sort of implications of how you go about retiring. What do you do if you want to come back from retirement? Things like that. But Yeah, I, I know. I hear exactly what you're saying. Of course, retirement has all three of those elements for me. Um, I, I don't know if, if you know, but I actually had a construction company in the UK um, and I did my singing as a, as a semi-professional. I had a five-piece band and we called Slow Joe that we used to go out we do that. We do the, the boats up and down the Thames uh, from the singing point of view. But during the during the week, I managed to fit in. <coughs> excuse me. I used to manage to fit uh, fit in uh, running a, a, a full time building company with thirty plus people 
uh, in it, um, do my own books, do my own estimates, um, maintain the sites, maintain the materials. Uh, I mean, I was, I was full hands-on, full hands-on. And also, in between that, I'd slip off for a game of squash with uh, two-bounce Tommy Steele. We used to call him two-bounce Tommy because... Uh, the great Tommy Steele, because uh, he'd cheat all the time. So he would uh, <laughs> call shots, and uh, we just used to laugh at him, really. But he, he used to come down for lunchtime, and we'd play squash. Um, and then I, in between that as well, up until I was 38, I used to play rugby. So I'd be training, I'd be finishing work at, say, 7 o'clock, kit in the car, 7.30 at the, at the ground, warming up, and then training till 10 o'clock. Go to go back home, be doing a couple of... It sounds phenomenal, but I don't know, even know how I do it. It makes me tired even talking about it now. But I did that from the age of 23 till 40. And at 40, I out of the blues, I was plastering a wall because that's what I used to do. I did everything within my burning company, yeah. and that's what we needed to do. I was plastering a wall, and I collapsed into the plaster behind me. Uh, I, I don't know why. I just fell over. And uh, my foreman came running in. Of course, there was mess everywhere. The plasterboard had gone over all over the, the plaster had gone all off off the board all over the wall. And he picked me up and he said, "You look awful. You've got to go home. I'll send somebody with you." I said, "No, no, no. Don't take anybody off the site. You, I'll I'll get home. I'll have a cup of tea first here, and then I'll I'll go home." And that's what I did. I changed my shirt, changed changed the thing that needs to be changed. So got into my van and I drove home. Uh, I, I was I was married to this young lady for a year and a half, and I hadn't realised that she'd only married me for my wealth at the time, which wasn't very much, but it was significant. Yeah. And uh, she looked at me as I walked in the room. She said, "Oh, you don't know very good. You better get yourself down to the doctors." And that's what I did. I got into the car. I drove to the doctors, and my doctor, um, who was a, a rugby friend of mine, Graham Robertson, his name, in Twickenham. He just came out of his room by chance with a, with a handful of papers and medical notes for somebody else. And he looked, took one look at me and then he looked again and then he called me into his office and he took my blood pressure. He, he didn't even ask me how I was. He said, right, I'm, uh, I'm calling an ambulance. You need to go to hospital. I said, what? An ambulance? There's nothing wrong with me. He said, uh, your, your, your pulse and your, your blood pressure is so low you are unlikely to be able to get out of that chair without falling over. Wow. So I said, see, we tried to call the ambulance. Ambulance couldn't come for half an hour or something. Whatever. It was back, that was years ago. I forget how long ago. Now. Well, it'd be 25 years, 30 years ago. Yeah. And uh, he, he called the ambulance. I went into to West Mid Hospital in Isleworth. And immediately they put me in a bed. And the next day I was operated on. And I had three or four big, big bleeding ulcers inside my stomach. Wow. Just, just from stress. I didn't, I didn't think I was under stress. No. I didn't think there was anything wrong. I just, just was doing my, my work and my job. And, um, and then they, uh, they sealed those up. And the very next day, the doctor came round to me and he said, good morning, Mr. King. I can still see it now. And even in those days, they didn't have waste bins for patients. Uh, I had a, pl a black plastic bag tied to the end of my bed. That, that sticks in my mind uh, really, really, uh, uh, like I couldn't believe it, really. Yeah. 
no bins. Apparently the people pinched the bins out of hospital. Um, and uh, he said, uh, Mr King, he said, uh, I don't know quite how to put this, but, uh, well, I suppose there's no other way of doing it. Um, I have to tell you that if you continue your lifestyle the way it is, I give you two years maximum before you die. And that was just from seeing the medical result. I was fit. I was healthy. I didn't have any real issues with anything at all. But that's what he said. And that really, from a doctor, struck home to me. And I thought, I was 39 at the time, 40, and he said this to me. So I got out of hospital. I went to my accountants and I said, listen, this is what they've said to me. And I'd never really, I'd never really ever counted I only ever counted wealth as being fit and healthy and having a nice lifestyle, yeah. really. That's what I thought uh, wealth was. And that's a true, that is absolutely true. I didn't ever count the bank or count, look at what I had or everything was a hassle because it was, I bought houses in the 80s when the property, when the, the building industry went down. I bought properties and I, uh, I rented some and I, and I sold some to keep the, 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 uh, the account's rolling over, ticking over. Yeah. And uh, because you can imagine a wage bill for 30 guys is quite substantial. Even back then, it was it was a lot of money. Yeah. And sometimes you've just thought you were working just to pay for the wages. Uh, but uh, And I suppose you were sometimes. But every now and again, everybody would pay you and you would have a bit of money so you could put it away. And, and I, instead of spending it, I, I bought a house. I put it towards a house, got a mortgage, bought, bought a house. And that, in a way, that kept my business alive as well, because in the 80s, there was the recession, uh, the late 80s, and it was, it was really bad. But what I was able to do was keep the guys that worked for me and put them onto the houses that I bought. So they refurbished them. And then I could either sell them or rent them. And I suppose my accountant, when I went to him, he said to me, listen, you've got X houses now. You've, you've, you've got all this. He said, really, truthfully, you don't have to work again. You could. You wouldn't, you're not going to be able to buy Rolls Royces and do anything like that, he said, but you're going to be able to live for the next however long you live for without worrying about it. So I took his advice. And at this time I had three houses in Canada and I had uh, ski in the ski resort and I had uh, houses around London in Bristol. Um, uh, it was. I, I was very, very lucky. I was very, very lucky, and it, I wouldn't say it was a skill. It must have been a little bit to keep the business going, but yeah. um, I hadn't planned it. I hadn't thought about it. But that's what I did. So I came to Spain. I think I mentioned before in another podcast that I brought a very, very sick friend of mine over. She couldn't. She was dying yeah. of cancer. Um, but uh, I wanted to get out of England. I don't know why. I wanted to get out of England particularly. I think I could see what was coming, in my opinion. And um, I, I came over to Malaga. I hired a car. And it was really hot, but she was sat in the back seat wrapped in a blanket. She was so poorly. And then we drove all the way up. And then we got to Altea. And I came to look at a couple of houses here. And I arrived at the house that I'm in now. And the view I have is is probably arguably one of the nicest views I, I've ever seen because it overlooks the whole Bay of Altea yeah. it, with the sea and the, between uh, the, the Calpe Rock and uh, and the Albia Rock. Mm. And, and I'm blessed. I'm absolutely blessed. And she said to me, she huddled up to me and she said, Matt, 
this is the place you've got to buy. You've got to buy this place because it was run down. It was no, it didn't look very nice, but I could always see potential yeah. in property. And uh, she said, buy it. And I did. And, uh, and sort of the rest is history. Um, well, look, uh, the question uh, I have to it, ask then, it, really, uh, did the word retirement come anywhere into the equation at that time? Well, retire, it's a funny, I never, I've, I've always worked in my day so hard at everything. So my retirement meant that I, I hired one guy, a, a, a labourer, and he and I set about rebuilding this, this house that I had bought. Um, for two years, I did nothing. Two years, I thought retirement, oh, I'm retired. I don't have to work, I'm retired. So I'd go out, I'd go and I'd play a few places, I brought my guitar with me, I, I made some friends. I spent my time integrating into the village, which was in Altea La Vella, which is really important if you move to Spain. You must integrate. People miss out so, so much, uh, English people, who come here and expect them to talk our language. Maybe that's a different chat for a different show, but the the the... After four years and of teaching, because I was trained as a teacher, I taught them maths, I taught them some English, the local villagers, the local kids. There was one particular day, um, I walked in, I'll tell you this story very, very quickly. I walked into the, this uh, bar burn here it is down in the village, and in the corner at Amorso, which is the 10 o'clock, uh, well, I call it beer and wine, but uh, it's not rather than cheese and wine, but they sit and they have their breakfast and their bottles of beer and their... Stellas and their whatever, yeah. and it's the it's the group of um, people that really run the village, that really are the bosses of the, the three families here. Mm -hmm. uh, I won't mention their names, but there are three families that run the village in Altaylavea, and I think you'll find you'll probably agree with me. In most smaller villages, there are one or two families that are the bosses of the area, own the most land, own the most houses. Yes, and and it's it's like a little regional thing here. So I walked in, um, and never before had they spoken to me, and one of them called me over and said, uh, Matt, come here, the angle, get him. So I, I, I went, and I sat down, and I actually did, did cross my mind. I thought, oh, my goodness me, what on earth have I done? Why am I being called over to this table? Yeah. And they stopped speaking Castellano, uh, and they, they stopped, sorry, Valenciano, and they started to speak, speak Castellano, which I knew a, a little bit about from the kids that I'd taught. Yeah. And it was some of their children or grandchildren or, or whatever. They, what do you want to drink? So I said, oh, I'll have a coffee, please. No, no, no. What do you want to drink? Beer, this or Mistella or whatever. And I thought, oh, my goodness me. This is, <laughs> it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. What am I going to do? And I thought, given the people I was amongst, Oh, I'll have, a, I'll have a beer, please. Thank you very much. So I had a, bo a bottle of beer because they don't drink canyas here. They drink bottles, the, the, most of the workmen. Uh, so a, bottle of, a glass arrived, a bottle, bottle of beer on the table. And I sat and they chatted with me like they had never, ever, uh, never, never not known me. Yes. They'd always known I was taken in. And from that day on, the whole village here changed this Everybody knew who I was, knew what I was about, what, what I did. But it took four years of being around and constantly trying to, to, to dribble away at being part of the community. Um, 
So right. I, I can I? Them, but it, it's special to me. It's very, very. Yeah. Can I come in for a second? Because um, what I'm going to say now is that uh, when I was planning chatting to you about retirement, it sounds to me like you didn't plan it at all. No, um, no. <laughs> it was. It wasn't. I was told by the doctor to give up work. Yes. And that was it. it. In my mind, I thought, well, I'm never going to give up work. But what happened? The difference between employing people and having to find X thousand a week to pay wages is is a totally different stress than unloading a lorry load of blocks or cement or yourself. Yeah. When you haven't got that responsibility, and bearing in mind these of these thirty guys, I think twenty of them were married with children, and me being me and the way I am. I took that responsibility very, very seriously. I mean, there were days during my business uh, time, early on probably, but not so much later on, when I didn't even have enough money to feed myself and feed my animals. So my animals got a bag of grub before me, and I would sit with a tomato (laughs) at night time in the lounge or something, a can of beans or something if we got it. But that went for a week. And on the Friday, I can never, I'll never forget it. It was a particular Friday. My wife came back. She, she didn't get her wages for another week. And uh, somebody, on I think about five o'clock, deposited about twenty thousand pounds into my bank account, which of course most of it went out on bills for the month and whatever. But I had some money to go and buy some food. Mm. It, it's God, God does work in mysterious ways, Absolutely. and I've always believe believing that that He's looked after me. Mm. But there were times when it was like that, really, really like that. Okay, so you're giving me a very, very alter, uh, alternative version of retirement here, because um, what I was really th- there's a couple of strands to what was in my mind. Uh, one in particular was I had a very, very good friend here that I'm sure you will know who I'm talking about, uh, but no names, no pack drill. Uh, but this particular entertainer was at the very, very top. I mean, uh, Royal Command performances, which will narrow down who people will think I might be talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. But what was happening towards the end of his life was it was obvious that nobody had given him any advice at all about how to retire and nobody yeah. had given him any help at all um when he was hitting sort of times which were not the better times and you've already uh, embraced one particular strand I was going to uh, look at, which is basically those people that come to another country, and in our case, Spain, um, but don't really embrace the language early enough. Because if we don't plan these things, uh, then you either have a very wonderful story, which is what I'm hearing from your retirement, uh, to other people who I know have died here, I've had to go and do uh, funeral speeches because basically they've had nobody that can speak for them at the funeral. Which yeah, you no, know, I, I think uh, uh, in COVID, a good friend of mine who's Dutch, his wife passed sadly, and uh, she died, and and uh, we were we were the only ones at the uh, crematorium because obviously no one was allowed. Um, and it's a, it's a real problem. They're Dutch and they, they don't understand uh, any Spanish. So I went in with him to help him translate. 
Um, even though there are, you know, the people at the crematorium do speak some, well, all all foreign languages, but not as well in some cases. Well, they shouldn't have to, really. They're yeah. in Spain. But um, it, it was quite sad, really. It was it was quite sad. People, don't, people aren't prepared. I don't think they have been prepared. Uh, and many English people as well, I have to say, do not even consider the fact or think that they should learn the language. They think that they come here and they think that, uni- that English should be the universal language, which across the world generally it is. But not for a man who earns a thousand euros a month uh, working in a bar serving drinks. He, he has no real incentive to to learn anything other than "Hello, my lovely," or something <laughs> yeah. like that. You know, yes. it's 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 not their schooling's not there for them like that. Okay, well, look, um, I, I uh, by default you've got to a stage which is retirement, which is adequate and obviously comfortable for your life and the way that you now have got to progress. Um, what I really wanted to get to was where, if anywhere in life, have you been given any advice about how to retire, when to look at future plans, when to develop future plans, uh, or maybe it's just totally all been by default because most people... Um, you, you know, uh, you you out here have a mix between um, people who have done very, very well in other respects and they've lived out here and they've got a portfolio of investments and things like that, which, of course, gives you a very different retirement to yeah, somebody yeah. living maybe in one of the towns with a British pension, which in the table of pensions, according to the OECD, the European pensions were about number 15 last time i looked and no, it's he... really low i mean relatively speaking compared to uh, even spanish pensions we, yeah. we're paid less than half um once you calculate it out it's 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 awful it's terrible well, uh, but there's that that's a another thing for another day i mean good, goodness knows where all the quaffers go well i've got my own version of where it goes but <laughs> not to the old age pensioners that's for sure Okay, um, but but in, but in yeah. terms of retirement, you see, if that's all people have got, um, then they've either yeah. got to live on that money or they've got to try and supplement it in some way. Well, yeah, I think I think, I mean, I think there's a community. Obviously, you you know yourself. There's a there's an, a community of people that live here in camper vans and tents from the UK. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't think they're all. Uh, campers necessarily but it is was was because I've seen some of the prices they pay a year for the plots now um, a relatively cheap way of or a cheaper way of of living here and of course you don't need heating you don't need gas you need electric uh, a little bit of gas to cook on which you buy in bottles here Um, so I think that was a that's been an option for people for many years of course Brexit coming in and these ridiculous demands they make on the amount of money you need in your bank account to move here, to retire. Um, you can only stay 90 days, I think it is now. I, I'm fully, same as you, probably fully uh, registered here and, and yeah. legal here as a, as a resident. Yes. But um, I, 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 it, 
it's all changed. I mean, it sounds like the old grumpy old man sitting here again, doesn't it? <laughs> but it, it is. It has all changed to so so much level that I don't even within a couple of years, two or three years, I don't even recognise the systems now. And I was fully up on them and fully aware of them all. But uh, I, I don't know how anybody survives here on, a, on an English pension now. Yeah. Well, of course, th- th- that then lends itself as to what supplementary pensions they have. And then, of course, it broadens the discussion. Uh, for those listening, we're giving you our two specific uh, viewpoints and then the experience of the people we've met here. But for those people who might be listening and thinking of going to another country, then at least maybe we can offer a few ideas here and there of things that they might need to think about. Now, for example, you every now and again get a, a, a message somewhere on Facebook or we've got a local uh, Denier sort of site um, and somebody will say we're coming out to live in Spain and we don't know the first thing about it. Uh, what can we do to prepare? Uh, and of course, the, the thing that um, I'm thinking back now is we're... When we were at school, I don't think ever, maybe it's just sort of something that wouldn't happen, I don't think ever things like retirement were taught at school. I mean, I don't think anybody thought further than your first job, really. Um, no, I, I agree. Nobody, nobody, nobody talked when you and I were growing up about many, many things. Sex education yes. came into one biology class. I think that was the end of it. Yeah. And that was just how it all happened, not yeah. why. Or Love was never mentioned yeah. in uh, my school. There was no such word as love. Um, I think it was a, a, a dirty four-letter word uh, in an all-boys school. Yeah. Um, uh, there, there is educa- Education is, is so badly missed now. They're, they're missing out so many things. But the teachers, you know, they're fighting fires. They, they, they haven't got enough resources and enough staff and I know money is being thrown at it but it's all these excuse me bloody administrators and people that are supposed to do uh, stuff in schools when we're going off the tar- the target now but uh, it, it's a it's a horrible it, it's uh, how on earth are they going to get this broad education that they need nowadays well you, you see when you say that we're off the target we we weren't really because I maintain now, by my experience of both education, teaching, and, you know, just by coming to live in another country, I think that when people are at school, um, they're probably wasting the chance of maybe starting the process of thinking about retirement. I mean, I remember uh, doing very menial jobs early on, and you'd hear... Um, the word pension and maybe superannuation, but they were never explained to you. And really, I mean, even whilst I was working up to the last days when I was working as a college lecturer, um, you know, nobody really explained the sort of implications that possibly everybody needs to know about the future of uh, the way money can change and therefore your plans have got to be able to be a, certainly a chance of an adaption because if you don't uh, adapt things then really um you know all the all the savings that people have now we hear time and time again that uh, your savings get 
gobbled up. And now this particular time with the with the cost of living crisis and this will be the third recession that I've lived through. Um, yeah. You know, the, the thing is, uh, really, uh, I go back to looking at education and thinking we didn't really learn anything to do with money at school. Um, okay, I did a, a, an A-level in economics later in my life, but that was my choice. It was nothing to do with what the school teaches us. So do you think the teachers, te- the school and the teachers at the school should maybe at least give you one session on it, do you think? Oh, I think it should be brought into the curriculum. And actually, I think it could be even brought into assemblies, which I believe also is fast disappearing uh, within schools now because it's impossible to police, if you like, for want of a better word. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely, it's got to be. It should be in the curriculum. It should be. It's far too complicated. I, I like you, did not have any idea about pension, however, uh, from school. However, when I started to work, I, and I truthfully don't remember who, why, or how, somebody said to me, you really need to start a pension. Now, that was right early on. And my parents said to me, no, there's no need for you to do it now. Don't, don't do it now. Start, start it later. Well, I started when I was 21. And I paid in, I think it was something like £22 a month for, until I was 60. I then, I then took another one out and did it because I was earning a bit more money. And I did another £50 a month till I was 60. But then at 60, I left them in. Um, and I didn't touch them. And, of course, I've taken a bit of a hit with this load of rubbish that's going on now. But now, with the interest rates rising, they'll make more, more of their money back, hopefully. But I, didn't touch, I haven't touched them, and, I, and I, I could do. They're not worth a fortune. Don't get me wrong. They are not worth uh, a fortune. But any money is good money nowadays, isn't it? Let's be honest. If you get anything in, £20, £30, £50 a month, it's going to help towards something these days. But I was so lucky that at that age I had the foresight to start something. And since then I've put in, you know, different bits of policies over the years. Some of them have been good, some of them have been bad. I've never gambled money. So it's only ever been pension. I, I, I don't gamble. I have a, a really strict talking to with myself. I, I, I think money is so difficult to earn and to come by for your retirement. You need every penny. Um, and, and putting it on the horse or on a, a dog or even betting wasps going across the ceiling, I, I, <laughs> I won't do it. I won't play cards. I, won't, I just don't do it. I, I don't like it. Uh, I don't do it. There's two strong strands have come over this morning and more of our um, comparisons of our lives. Number one, I, I had a, an executive stress problem when I was working as a sales manager, and that was down to uh, not being trained properly and not being given any guidance, etc. And the second thing is I don't gamble. And the reason why I don't gamble is because when I was working as a DJ um, one particular night, and it was about the time when man is allegedly walking on the, or was alleged to have walked on the moon, um, I, I was working in a quiet club and uh, I was so bored um, I borrowed a week's wages put them into the Tutti Fruity machine uh, lost them all and I've never touched the machine since so you know yeah. the, you sometimes need a lesson to um, 
but going back to the retirement thing, there are certain things then, uh, pretty obviously, that um, either should be taught or aren't taught. Number one, I think by default, both of us came quite quickly to keeping ourselves fit. I think if yes, you, you yeah. know if you if you plan to retire, then if you're just going to sit and drink beer all day and every day, don't be surprised if you get some oh, health no, problems. Yeah. You know, you've got to be occupied. It, that's the one thing I would say to anybody. Yeah. Don't think that you're retiring and that is the end. You've got to, to really be determined to, to to do something else. I mean, as you as you well know, my, when I met my my wife here, I. We had a um, Broadway Performance Academy, which put on two shows a year at the uh, Casa Cultura in Alfas. Sadly, it's no longer since COVID. Our uh, esteemed um, landlords wouldn't give us any moratorium on the rent. Hmm. And so we, we had to give it up. It would have cost us about 20,000 euros to keep the studio. Uh, so we just decided that as, as my stroke had happened, and I, and I did struggle to write things uh, before... For shows, I, I still, I, if you've read my blogs and my pages, then I am still quite eloquent with some of the words that I use, given that I was a mathematician. But we gave up the, I gave up the writing of shows, um, bearing in mind they were an hour and a half to two hours long. Um, then, and uh, and what was good though is we never really earned any money. I think ninety-five cents an hour is what we used to earn a year, um, but. The the knowledge that we imparted f- with kids that really wanted to just come and do that they didn't they didn't uh, they weren't forced into doing it they wanted to be a dancer they wanted to be an actor uh, they wanted to try being on stage and they worked and worked and worked to to get it and that was a great retirement job if you like. Uh, yeah. After doing the house for about eight years, it took me to to do that to do the house up. Um, I then was sort of looking for something to, and it just got. If you ask, you receive. Yes. And I didn't know what to do, and uh, I think. Do you remember Jim? Big Jim. I forgot his surname. Mm, he was you... on the radio with us as well. Um, it is it not not Jimbo. Yeah, Jimbo. Yeah. Jimbo. Okay. But Jim G- G- Gaff- Gaffery was it? Yes, that's right. Well done. Yeah. Well done. I'd never got that. Um, and he said to me, why don't you come along and do the radio? I do some, we're looking for somebody after me in the afternoon. Come and do the radio. So I did the radio with him. And then he had the school that we, we took over, him and his wife. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, uh, I, I, I did a little show for them. I, I think I dressed up as a sort of some sort of camp person and sung Big Spender and and whatever in a show. It was a kid's show, but all the parents were there. And then Becky, that's when I first met, to, met Becky, and uh, I recognised her style of dance immediately as she came across this. I didn't know her, but she danced in this show. And uh, I, I said to you, you're a contemporary dance trained, aren't you? Because I used to go up to classes up there in London. Yeah. And uh, she said, yes, that's right. How do you know that? I said, oh, I, just, I can see the way you dance. And that was it then. I suppose we had an, a common interest. We didn't get together straight away, but it was, uh, it's wonderful how these things do. Retirement brought that on, you see. Well, Being able look, to actually do that. Again, you see, aspects of uh, everything that comes into a, a, a good retirement 
uh, is based around time management. I think if people don't ever learn the concept of time management, what they do is they eventually don't realise how much time they've squandered until basically it's almost too late. Uh, whereas I think if you if you are conscious of the time uh, and allocate the, the the time that you're definitely going to... In fact, the, the reason why I suppose I got very involved in all this was uh, my first degree was the difference between recreation and work. Um, and so th- that was one thing. And then, of course, um, when you look at concepts of management, um, the Japanese was one way that I used to love... Uh, helping the weaker members of the team that I was in charge of. Um, And a lot of it was down to managing your time because um, it it is quite strange how some people just don't know how to look at the time that they have and use it profitably. So I think that's an aspect of it as well for me. No, I think think you're absolutely right. I mean, but the trouble is many people who do, and I'm not belittling anybody because if we didn't have people that did did, uh, mundane jobs um, we wouldn't have anything at all you know uh, I'm not even prepared to describe what a mundane job is because I think it's it's personal what it means to me but um, repetitive jobs we wouldn't have anything on our tables we wouldn't have be able to buy anything in the shops. We've, you've got to have yin and yang, otherwise it doesn't it doesn't work. But I, but I'm I'm I never I don't think I ever thought conscientiously, uh, or consciously rather not consciously consciously about what I was doing. It all came as a natural door opener and taking opportunity when and where I need. And am I retired? Well, this is probably what you're going to ask me at the end anyway, but I, <laughs> I prob- I'm probably not retired, really. I, I, won't, I don't have the confidence now to sing um, and perform. Uh, I would still, if somebody said to me, will you come and do a cha- something for charity, that to me is like, uh, that is like the carrot to the donkey. I, I probably would have to do something like that because I would want to think that I was, I was doing something good. Right, I'm, I'm going to I'll put that to one side because basically that will definitely come into play at some time in the future. Um, <laughs> but then again, you see, that that is the time thing that I was really beginning to start to develop. When people are retired, depending on what age, 50 onwards, um, you then have an amount of time that you can afford to give to other people. Um, you know, or if you want to go the other way and develop things that you want to develop for yourself, uh, I think one of the uh, greatest gifts that you can give anybody is your time, really, because, um, you know, we all have the same amount of time. So uh, some people think that their time is more important than other people's. um, But nobody has really a God-given right to say that my time is more important than your time. It's just basically how you allocate that time, what you do with it. And that's really this period of retirement. Now, if you can spot early enough how to do it and how to get into retirement, um, then obviously you can maybe spend a a few more years doing things that maybe you can choose to do as opposed to having to work till you're 60 odd now. It's not just 65. Um, We're now beginning to... A good friend, a mutual friend of ours, or somebody you probably know, but a, a good friend of mine, he's 
he's 73, 72, 73, and he's driving professionally every day because he has to. Yes. He cannot afford... He didn't do the pensions. He didn't do the the things. He's not stupid, but he just... He didn't do it. And he's obviously got to this stage now where he's he's obviously getting to a point because he's he's public services licenses and things to drive buses and coaches but he's having to give up he, or he's being forced to give up with nothing behind him and and that is that's awful to arrive at this age i mean obviously i should imagine he gets a state pension but uh, terrible well i mean w- w- when you say obviously um, I do know of somebody that you would obviously straight away think, oh, yeah, pensioned, no problem. Didn't even have a full state pension. And of course... He hadn't paid enough in. Exactly. And really, uh, those are the sort of implications that I don't see where people are even given any advice. You know, I don't know where the advice should come from. I mean, obviously... Well, I think uh, it goes back to schools, doesn't it, really? Nowadays, we know more now, and therefore we can allocate, you know, time should be allocated to, in schools. But, you know, on the other hand, when, when you were a pupil, I mean, you and I probably were a bit different. I used to listen to what I wanted to listen to, <laughs> probably ignore what I wanted to ignore, and then I'd have to go and find out myself about what it was because I needed it for an exam. But um, they were very disruptive. I was disruptive as well, to be perfectly honest, if we're being confessing. But um, there are pro- they were probably very disruptive kids in the classes that didn't know what they were doing. And, and probably, I'd, be loved, I'd love to know what they're, they're doing now. But there's others that have gone into insurance and sales and, and stuff. They, they've done really, really well for themselves. And they're, 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 they're millionaires now. Well, what I've found out here is that you eventually come to look at the level or lack of level uh, playing field that you have. Because when we were back in the UK and we were advised to do certain things or we were told to do certain things, um, we eventually had to start making decisions for ourselves. If you didn't have that at either family level or friend level or now and again, somebody comes to try and sell you insurance, for example. And I remember when you were talking about um, a savings plan, I think it was early on. I think yeah. that was the thing that, you know, a couple of times in my life, the savings plan has actually come to my rescue because I could cash it in and, you know, yeah, get, get rid absolutely. of a bill. The rainy day syndrome. Exactly. Um, now, uh, to go to another aspect of retirement, when we have um, uh, sort of thought about coming, you, you were here, uh, I was th- thinking of coming out here, so I'd be planning to think, well, you know, I should be able to sing my songs until whatever time it would be, you know. Um, and, of course, what is changing all the time in the background is the the type of music that people are either dancing to, singing to, listening to or playing because of the fact that um, life is changing. Do they call some of the modern stuff music? Well, that's that's a good point. Should that's, we keep that for another show? Well, I think we can do. I'm, I'm making notes of these, by the way. We've got, we've got <laughs> How many shows we got? <laughs> I've got a, I've got a few uh, very, very good ideas while we've been talking. But in terms of music, um, 
when you have when you have the type of music that really we grew up with, um, certainly coming from the East End of London or somewhere like that, you'd be able to have a knees up and a sing song. And we were talking the other week about uh, the folk songs and listening to, you know, people telling stories via the songs. Whereas these days, I don't see quite the same type of music. I mean, I can't get on with rapping, even though, you know, it could be done in a way that um, might be a little bit more sociable. A lot of it is far too aggressive. And certainly... Well, they're talking about the street, you see, though, I'm told. I don't know that, but I'm told that that they're talking about life on the street. So it's tough, it's hard, it's brutal. Um, You know, I... I, I can't, I can't hack it. I just, I, I can't. I, I'd love to if I could hear the words and understand the words. Then I would, I would listen because that's my education. But like you, I'm sure you'd be exactly the same. I just can't understand it. I no. don't understand the words. Well, I, I actually got to the stage where I was driving for uh, foreign students. Uh, we were in Newquay and. Uh, the, the sort of stuff that was coming on the radio, they were asking me questions, what do you, what do the words mean? And they were so embarrassing. I actually wrote to the Prime Minister of the day. In fact, they've done it twice. I wrote to uh, <laughs> Margaret Thatcher and I wrote to David Cameron. I, I, I actually cut and pasted some of the um, uh, some of the words of the songs that uh, were, were, were needed to be investigated because, quite frankly, when you look at what's going on now, especially the, the violence in London... Um, I think you can clearly see there's a connection with the music. In fact, I wanted to do a degree uh, investigating all this and um, nobody saw the value in it, but I think it was there. And I think now in retirement, when you can think about these things and you can see things and you actually look at people from other nationalities and how they've retired out here. I mean, you go to most of the big uh, restaurants and you can always find Scandinavians and Germans with bigger pensions who can afford to eat a lot better than the British pensioner can. Yeah, no, you're you're right. You're so right. I mean, I <coughs> we I sit here quite often as we talk and I and I my eyes roll into the back of my head and I swivel my head around that 360 degrees and I and I wonder what on earth has happened to the world that I grew up in and I I taught in and you taught in and the kids, I was fortunate here to have decent kids that when I was retired, but to teach. And actually, <coughs> excuse me, in, I think <clears throat> retirement for me was also about trying to impart some knowledge it, to the, the, the children of today. Yeah. Some of my experiences. I know you can't, you, you have to experience because that's what the word means yourself. Yeah. But to, imp- to try and see some of the pitfalls that were going on. And through drama, I was able to, to create those situations and, and give them thought-provoking exercises to do. Um, and, and some of the things that came out in those exercises, I, I was astonished because it was so far advanced for, for some of them. Um, so, I, you know, making, going back to the retirement, which is what we're actually talking about, I don't think I will ever retire. Because as a teacher, as, it, as a trained teacher, there is always something that you think you might be able to help any child with, whether it's a moral issue or whether it's a, 
helping them with their maths or helping them with their... Of course, that's restricted for me these days from my stroke because those memory cells aren't there anymore. They just don't exist, and, and, and that's quite tough. But there's always... There's always something you can do as long as you're subtle about it as you get older because yeah, there's a great danger of being called an old fart if you uh, <laughs> try and impose your ideas or uh, experiences on somebody, I think. One of, the, um, one of the joys, I think, of being retired and meeting other people is trying to come to the decision uh, when you're talking to them whether they've just been lucky or whether they've grafted for the sort of wealth that they're enjoying in their retirement. Now, you, you know, I don't mean this in a cynical way, but some people, um, I get the impression, especially with rich older guys who have made the money through the fact that the inflation was so good and the exchange rate was far in excess of the fl- in in their favour. Um, well, and they bought a mansion for five thousand euros. Exactly. Back in the day. Exactly. In the 60s. And then, then what they do is they don't have the education to back that up, so that very often when we're in conversation there'll be sort of well especially innuendo when you're with your wife for example uh, I don't like that one bit um, and quite honestly I've even had friends that um, really they didn't realise that they were doing it and yeah. uh, you know I've had to have a quiet word at some time and say look if you don't mind you know if you can just lay back on that sort of stuff because A I don't want it and B I don't really want my wife to be embarrassed while, while we're talking about things like that you know no 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 I think but if that goes back to another of social social skills and social understanding Vince. that's a uh, that's a whole can of worms for another day, I reckon. Okay, I'm putting that down as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've made five five good uh, s- uh, situations for our next couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> okay, well, look, uh, as we're coming near the end of this particular hour, um, I want to try and just get some uh, last bit of thinking about this. Um, we did it, uh, you embraced the language learning. Uh, you certainly did it by going into a village situation. I certainly went to my classes religiously. Um, I still think Spanish is quite a difficult and involved language if you want to embrace the intricacies. Um, you know, I remember in, in the UK, Tom O'Connor used to always say uh, that that's a, a, an old uh, comic, by the way, for those that don't know. Um, he, he used to always advocate that if you will add the letter O on the end of everything, would O, you O, like O, you know, um, and to an extent you can get by with very, very anglicised uh, Spanish. But I think if you get to the stage where you can actually talk to the Spanish people and uh, get them to chuckle a bit in their own language, uh, you know, I, that's one of the joys that you could actually... Um, maybe further by retirement by going actually to a language class, for example. I mean, some people have never been, but that's where I met a lot of nice people. I don't know whether or not you found that. Now, I, I, I mean, I'm, as we're talking, I'm thinking, when I said about retiring, <coughs> sorry about this, excuse me. Um, when I said about retiring, I'm not retiring from life or living my life here or or doing the interaction with the local community, but Sure, for sure, there are classes to, to go to. You know, the, the best class I can imagine 
is going and joining some of the old Spanish people in the village, in any village where you live, because they will be there, um, and sitting and listening and then joining in and for the little bit. And I think most people, the majority of people, will find the Spanish, if, especially if you buy them a cup of coffee or a carajillo or a, or a, a brandy or, or whatever, they will be so accommodating. They're so, so nice such a nice people they're, they're there to help and the amount of times i've been invited just from sitting down okay somebody knew me i'm interested but going to not i haven't wanted it to go to every event um some of the times they they cook a whole roasted lamb on a spit <laughs> right that's not my sort of thing but it, it's rude not to go if you see what I mean. You have to go if you're invited. Yeah. You're someone special, but you can. Ev everybody is capable of doing that. You just have to try, and you just have to realise and remember, you are not. You're, you're not living in your own country. You're living in somebody else's country, who who have invited you. If they do, to I mean, the guy that sells me wood uh, for the fire. He, he's in, from the village. The other day, I was in the village. He, it was his birthday, and he wouldn't let me go. I don't see him from year to year, but he wouldn't let me go until he'd, he'd bought me a drink on his birthday. <laughs> Matt, the music is coming in. We've actually oh. hit, we've hit the hour, and uh, religiously, we finish on the hour. So... Uh, our subject has been absolutely fascinating. We've been looking at the concept of retirement with probably an accent on retirement in Spain. So once again, Matt, we've uh, hit the hour and thank you very much indeed for your company. Wow, that's gone quickly again. Thank you for yours <laughs> and uh, see you next week. Thank you, Matt.